So. Cool, cool, cool. Mm. All right, Elise. Oh, wait, no, waiting on Jess now. <laughs> she's, she's just looking at me like, why are you clapping? Oh, there's two cats in here? Oh. Mm. Hey, well, this is a film podcast. But, um... Hey, everybody. Welcome to Film House today. Our episode is brought to you by our sponsors, Hymns and Quip. We'll hear from them more later in the show. Today, we're talking about the ESPN 10-part docuseries, The Last Dance, which chronicles Michael Jordan's career in the 90s, his six NBA championships. So I have gathered an elite team of sport experts <laughs> to talk about this subject today. I'm joined by two Carolina kids. Hey! Hey, James Willems. Well, the state. Not all of us are from UNC. I couldn't get in. I couldn't get in. James Willems and John Holland. So you guys are close to this story and the fact that Michael Jordan is basketball royalty. Dean Smith! (laughs) I don't know what that means. Uh, (laughs) And and Adam Kovic, um, I think you owned a basketball as a child. Am I correct? uh, No joke. I did have a Space Jam basketball because it was on sale at Sears because they didn't sell very well. Wow. It was garbage. (laughs) We got that and and a uh, McDonald's Arch Burger for about the same price. Hmm. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So <laughs> you really sugar. With that knowledge, does everyone want to kind of talk about their sort of backstory before we start talking about the documentary? Mm-hmm. Your personal backstory as it pertains to like Michael Jordan in any sense of the concept. John Holland, do you want to kick it off? Sure. Um, shoe God, uh, first and foremost, like even the kids who didn't watch him growing up, I mean, you know his shoes. You're, <laughs> he's probably more famous for his shoes than mm-hmm. the game, but uh, still my greatest of all time. Uh, I love some LeBron, but you know, six versus all the the, the wins and L's that that LeBron has. Um, and growing up in North Carolina, like he was the man. But then as you got older and you heard more and more stories about him, he became more the asshole. Uh, I mean, he owned a shit ton of car dealerships. <laughs> yeah, really? he had a ton in North Carolina. Oh. Oh, I that I want to hear more about that because I didn't even know that was. Did you know about that? I knew. Yeah, I knew he had a lot of business. He has like a lot of business interests in in North Carolina, but none of them were like like solar panels yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> renewable energy and stuff well it, it was your basic yeah. windfall like you'll get a car wash you get a parking garage and you get a dealership just things that are just easy i guess in a sense he just owned a ton mm-hmm. of them i don't Sounds think he, like, like, a, he like it's like employ- a money laundering scheme pretty much so weird <laughs> yeah i mean he did gamble a lot well, was he like <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah we'll talk about that was he was he employing like people that he grew up with or knew from back home being like, well, I'll get this business and I'll make you the manager. I I don't know because at the time when he was, you know, the biggest thing in the world, like he still had like that, uh, I guess that rock star mystery around him. So he really didn't know much of what he was doing. So if he was kudos to him, but it wasn't, it wasn't like today where like LeBron's entire team is people he grew up with. So yeah, don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, are not a basketball fan. I mean, I'm sure you supported the Charlotte Hornets at some point. I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I was, I was a, I'm casual sports fan, I guess you would say in that, like the Charlotte Hornets came into existence when I was a kid. So I was like, Oh, we're getting a basketball team and, uh, and we're going to have Muggsy Bogues and he's the shortest player in the league. (laughs) And like, like grandma Ma. I did think the documentary could have touched on grandma Ma a little bit more than it did, which is none. Um, (laughs) So, so you know, there's that childhood investment in sports, and I played basketball as a kid, but never really been a sports fan, despite being completely aware of the domination of the Bulls in the 90s. 
Um, thinking back, I I liked watching basketball, but I I rooted for Charles Barkley. He was my guy because he had an edge to it. Charles Barkley's the Vegeta of 90s <laughs> NBA. And that's what I always liked about him. He seemed fun and funny, but he was also kind of a bad boy. Michael Jordan was like too great for me to be like a Jordan fan. So I never like had a Jordan jersey mm. or anything like that. That being said, I ended up going to Chapel Hill, his alma mater, mm-hmm. and you can't help but be like... Can't escape it. It's You can't mm. escape it. It's built into the Tar Heels and the culture and just walking around and all the merch and stuff, like people wearing uh, Chapel Hill Jordan jerseys and everything like that. And I even took a geography class and the professor was like, just so you kids know, like geography is the highest paying job out of everything at Chapel Hill. Every single major you could do geography is the highest paying wow. job. And then and everyone's like, what? It's because Michael Jordan majored in geography. Oh, come on. And he pulls up. Wow. He pulls the average into the stratosphere. That, that's like the, that's the and that's so, like the bullshit like Wayne Gretzky <laughs> stats they do where they're like, you know, Wayne Gretzky and his brother combined have the greatest uh, record in all of hockey because Wayne mm-hmm. Wayne did all of it and his brother Steve got one on accident or something. <laughs> like it, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, the cute cute statistic. He, the professor said it knowing he mm-hmm. he said it with a wink and a sure. Nod, but he yeah, has he has nothing he has nothing else the, going on in his life. So okay, yeah. yeah. In terms of my relationship with the Bulls, it was why my thought process and this has kind of always been the case is why would you root for the team that wins all the time mm. yeah and during my youth they were the team that won all the time um and so i never my brother was more of a bulls fan and i wasn't also michael jordan wasn't an nba jam <laughs> okay yeah so, <laughs> so that, took, that took points against him i'm from toronto and you know we didn't get the raptors until late in the game so it's kind of like Canadi- canadians are always grasping, grasping at straws of like who else can we look to to be our idols. And my dad was a big basketball fan, so it was a little bit inescapable. You know, we'd have like the VHSs of like the Bulls' best mm. moments and stuff like that. Michael Jordan. So, I, and I was a kid, you know, during the Bull phenomena, so I was inescapable. Adam, you had that Space Jam basketball. You want to talk about that? A little <laughs> I, little I had the basketball, but I hadn't seen the movie until like years later. <laughs> It was just. It okay. was. It, I saw that in theaters. I I did not. Uh, it wasn't. It was not a priority of mine. I think I was just too old for it. Um, yeah, played basketball as a kid. Loved it. Um, same as James. Uh, like I, I never really rooted for the Bulls unless you know watching that final game. The the whole thing that the documentary leads up to. Like you can't help but just be like you're watching something special, and you kind of. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, when you have to, you know, Chicago and Utah, I have no ties to either one of those. <laughs> um, but like when you when you saw Pippen and Jordan and Rodman all on there and you're like, these guys are characters like they are. You were watching like gods. It's it was just such a weird, perfect time in like pop culture and mm-hmm. before social media. And you just you, you knew you were watching something special. Um, yeah, I, I played basketball in like middle school and played with my friends and stuff. I played a little bit of league, but like like minor minor league was it just like a little, you know? We wore kitty league. Yeah, we wore jerseys and stuff. I was terrible, but mm. uh, but man, yeah. I mean, obviously uh, Jordan's like an inspiration. And God, I asked for those shoes, and the answer was no for about twenty six years of my life. So you know, I I look back <laughs> on all the money I spent on Jordans because when I first I got my first pair in '96, so I think I got the 12s, and they were only like just around a hundred dollars. And then I bought them for like the next six years, 
And I stopped when I think it's like 17s or 18s. It came with a briefcase. And I was like, what am, what am I <laughs> what? doing as a 17-year-old with a briefcase? And the reason why oh it, it came with the briefcase is so they could take the price up. And those were like $220. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with I'm done with Jordans. I can't I can't do this anymore. It came with a silver briefcase. Mm-hmm. Was the briefcase supposed to represent something related to Michael Who Jordan? Knows? The value yeah, of the shoes, maybe. I probably would assume. You couldn't even fit the shoes in the oh briefcase. It was just a briefcase. There is that separate documentary mm-hmm. on Netflix. I think it's called Abstract. <laughs> and they do an entire episode on Jordans. And I forget the guy's name, Thinker or whatever it is, but he's the guy who designs all the mm-hmm. Omar knows more of this world, but that, that's I mean, uh, John hit it on the head where it's like Tony Hawk, where people are like, oh, are you in that video game? He's like, I am the video game. God damn it. Like the video, the, the shoes are almost bigger than Jordan now in a weird yeah. way. And they will outlive him. You know, when he's he's gone, <laughs> the Air Jordan Empire will still exist. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was that pair of game day Jordans from like 1985 or four that just sold for like. A stupid amount of money yeah. um what was it like two five hundred oh yeah five hundred and sixty thousand dollars they had his, of game they had his they Jordans. came with a little bit of his blood or something right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it was from that game remember he mm-hmm. yeah he in the, in the documentary he mm-hmm. like wore those shoes and then his, his, his feet were bleeding his, his whole yeah. life his off. whole life yeah. he must he i don't know it just pointed it out when we we're watching he's like his life is like a movie and he knows it yeah it's so weird yeah. like when he sets mm-hmm. those things up where he's like I'm going to wear these old shoes. And he's like, you don't have to do that. And my feet were bleeding. Why did you keep them on? Because he's just like, in his mind, he's like, this is going to be a cool part when the movie gets made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when my when my 10-part docuseries gets made, they'll have to include what, what if he gets? Mm-hmm. So I should get some close-ups of he, my feet. He should be played by Michael B. Jordan. Mm. Boom. Michael Jordan <laughs> is Michael John's, Jordan. John's reaction says it all. This this documentary has been a sensation, though, and everyone's talking about it. I was watching a live stream with Amy Poehler and, and Tina Fey, and she was like, have you guys been watching that Jordan doc? Like, everybody and their mother is mm-hmm. into it. And why do you guys think that is? Because there are a lot of non-sports fans watching this. There are a lot of people craving this content right mm. now. What do you think that stems from, aside from it just being well-made? Hmm. I mean, I think that at the time there was already a narrative. This is something like like it was a cultural moment, right? So everyone can kind of like pinpoint where they were or their relationship to that moment because it was a major cultural moment. But then at the same time, the documentary is made in a super compelling narrative way. Like it's... It, it, it's kind of a critique of the documentary, but it's called The Last Dance, right? And they're like, this is the story of the Bulls' last run at a championship, the last time this team was all together. Yeah, before they were and, dismantled to be rebuilt. But yeah. then it just and then it just goes, it goes, anyway, 1984. <laughs> like, it just kind of, it, it, it picks and chooses, and it almost felt like somewhere in there someone was making a documentary about that last season, and then someone came back and was like, if you can stretch this into 10 episodes, we'll give you more money. So they they took it from being like a compelling movie, which I think people would probably say was really good, but maybe not get shared into like a breaking bad. Hmm. It has the same narrative progression of like piecing these things together, teasing what the end result is going to be. There's like a hook. What's going to happen in this last <laughs> season, even though I was... 43 when it happened and remember it vividly and then and then going back and then all the characters filling in the side characters and stuff like that so i think a lot of how it's made mimics like television you know 
and and narrative TV, yeah. even though it's a documentary. John, like, would you recommend this to somebody that is like, I don't watch basketball. I never have. A- absolutely. Um, because there's just a lot of lessons in it, uh, especially like the winning comes at cost and or winning at all costs. Like, I think there's some good mentality stuff in there if you're trying to be the best at, at whatever it is that you do. Um, and also like the character, like, like you said, there's interesting characters like Rodman is one of the most interesting people in the world. Pippen to be a, a mm-hmm. killer on the court is just the most docile, nicest guy I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's Jordan, <laughs> which is like, like every single time I'm like, man, he's such a such an asshole. But I'm like, but he is backing it up, though. Like he is pushing you to be. <laughs> yeah, well, like. Reggie Miller, when they're talking about their rivalry, he calls him Black mm-hmm. Jesus. Like he has a few like nicknames for him, but he's like Black Jesus. And it's like he kind of was like a Christ like figure for the NBA mm-hmm. and like not to get super like, you know, literary analytical with it. But like he had, you know, the things like like he's sick. He's super sick. He's got food poisoning, mm-hmm. but he still goes and he plays the game because mm-hmm. he's got to like help them win it like at all costs. Mm-hmm. It's like someone says it. You can't write a character. Well, like someone that. says in the documentary where they're like, this is what happens when a god comes down from Mount Olympus to like play with the mortals. You know, and it's like <laughs> that, that, that mm-hmm. this is like probably the closest to a real life version of like a Superman sort of existing and just being like this guy was on a different level and had a di- mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, obviously he had the work ethic and he had everything else and he could back up the shit talking and the way he could yell at his teammates and all this stuff. It's like at the end of the day, even all his teammates are like, well, we won and I did better because he yelled at me. So yeah, yeah. it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, well, he's Vin Diesel. <laughs> he's Vin Diesel from the fast and furious movies. Like it's basically the same character traits where he got like, like, Oh no, Vin Diesel's almost going to lose. And then some, and then someone goes, you're, you're done for Vin Diesel. <laughs> and and then, and he goes, and I'm going to, kiss your girlfriend too and he goes ah, and then he breaks out of the chains and then steals a car and then saves it like that's at least how the documentary portrays it and it's kind of backed up by all the statistics Mm -hmm. that have been kept from the sport but it's like that's kind of how he played too like he was playing to win and then if someone pushed him further he would say okay well i'm just gonna super saiyan above that level to to beat you Mm -hmm. like it's weird. It's it is the same. He was wired differently. Like they uh, used to say, he would always like he slept very little. Um, it was mm-hmm. the last person to go to sleep, first person up. Was just just had endless energy. I mean, a freak of nature. Uh, but but he also just carried one hell of a grudge for any slight. I think that motivated him more mm-hmm. than wanting to win. Was just trying to whether just get it happened or you. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a. Uh, uh. That's what it seems to be like one of one of the like major themes coming out of this documentary from like Scotty Burrell. Uh, Reggie Miller and of course like Horace Grant is like he's talking about it now because he's not happy with the way that it was conveyed in the documentary Mm. Um, because MJ said that you know the Sam Smith expose Mm -hmm. Jordan Jordan rules it talked about how uh, Michael Jordan I guess always assumed that Horace Grant like spilled all these these secrets to Sam Smith because they were friends and Horace Grant's like no I didn't you know if you're going to point fingers at anybody point them at Michael Jordan who's still telling this story about my teammates doing cocaine and drinking in 1985 or whatever Mm -hmm. Um, he's like he's you know calling Michael Jordan a snitch Mm -hmm. so much drama yeah (laughs) like it, it really did find these characters and create these dramatic plots like Jerry Krause is just portrayed as this like absolute villain yeah. for the yeah. series. He's the, the Bulls general manager and he can't really defend himself because he passed away in 2017. I don't know how he could. You though. know, the kind of I don't know yeah, how he could. He, 
He never no. he never looks That's, good. <laughs> yeah. And he he was going to rallies and getting booed by the yeah. fans. Yeah, I too. mean, yeah, it, it's it is tough though with something like this isn't Tiger King, right? Like this isn't some unknown thing. the The problem is you have stats and all this footage that like backs it up. So when when you have you interview a bunch of basketball players and they're like Jerry Krause was an asshole, and then it shows a clip of him going. Players don't win games. This is hyperbole. He didn't say this, but like, but it's like, it's like the people at the desks that sign the checks win games. I'm like, that you're an asshole. You've they've all corroborated, and then there's video footage of you being asshole. If this was a murder, you would be in jail for the crimes because there's overwhelming evidence, right? Like, so it is. It is tough, especially with sports mm-hmm. um, documentaries, because they do they document it so thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Because people have such fandom for it in the first place. Maybe you know, John, but like the way that Isaiah Thomas was sort of treated as a pariah with the dream team at the 92 Olympics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is that, do you um, think that was like stemming from the top from Jordan or it was just kind of like across the league, like nobody likes Isaiah Thomas? I, I think, I think a lot of both. Like anybody that went up against the bad boy Pistons, you left with, with a bruised ego and definitely bruised bones. Um, I, I, I see, I got to look back at the time frame because Jordan was was big he had a great rookie year his sophomore year he was injured um and then from there it was just going up i don't know if he had the power alone to get isaiah out but i bet mm-hmm. it was well no one really likes him and jordan says he doesn't like him so let's just let's just go out there and jordan's probably mm-hmm. was like oh, i'm fine with you guys saying it's me he probably he probably relished yeah, that's that. not uncommon Hmm. Like Adam, do you did you watch the part about like Tony Kukoc, the Croatian? Yeah, the the, the when it, it's almost like um like a jealous like sibling almost like you know your parents are looking at adopting a new kid and you're like, "Oh, I'll show you." <laughs> and they mm-hmm. go beat up on mm-hmm. him, but then he comes back later and they're on the same team and they win <laughs> like a championship. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. a weird mentality, yeah. but it's also like a lot of it I think is Jordan inventing enemies essentially or are finding finding these these things to be upset about but that works for him and then on the flip side there's that moment where pippen sits out of that that final and they you know they win it but it's like he he becomes like a giant baby i don't think jordan would ever do that that was sort of the difference is like yeah jordan knows when he knows how to control his his sociopathic mind (laughs) everything every Everything that Jordan is willing to sacrifice or do is a is to cost win. of others. Well, it's yeah. to win. Yeah, Pippins Pippins was a self interested thing. Mm-hmm. Jordan is only self interested if that single the single interest is winning or being better than someone yeah. or besting someone in some way. And, and I guess there could be examples out there where you know it isn't obvious. But in the portrayal in the documentary, at least, it's like that's what that was the difference. Everyone was like other everyone else out there was like, you know, I loved playing the sport and I really liked winning. But for Jordan, it seemed like I love playing the sport. But what I loved about it was that it let me beat other people. (laughs) Well, he was he was winning and he was showing people like, you know, when he'd say, well, I'm going to go out there tomorrow night. I'm going to get 40 points like he's shot calling himself Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how he's going to play. And if other people aren't meeting his standard, that's when he has a problem with them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess other grudges are, you know, like Tony Kukoc was just like, I guess, an ego <laughs> thing. He's so um, he's so Scott, chill. The whole thing's like, I don't yeah. know why this guy hates me. Like, which I'm, yeah. I am, yeah. I am, I'm decent in well, my country, but this guy, <laughs> this guy hates. 
that's the thing is like everyone he seems to have these grudges with all seems to, hand- to handle it. Maybe not so much Isaiah Thomas or uh, Horace Grant, but a lot of the others were handled it pretty gracefully. Well, they've all hand- like even Isaiah Thomas, like because I-, I watch him all the time, like as an analyst and stuff. And he'll he'll big up Jordan. He'll talk about how great and everything. Like he holds nothing against it. Like he he'll smile when he talks about it. And I think because it's been like twenty years everybody's just kind of like i've had time to get over but why is this man still just holding that same fire in him i i think there's a couple things my guess is that they're all millionaires most of the people they talk to are set Mm -hmm. right so it's like truly what did it come at the cost of right like financially it clear he didn't it didn't appear that jordan financially ruined anyone it's not like he made isaiah thomas lose sponsorships or anything like that he just kind of, he just didn't want him to be known as the best. And if you cannot be the best, but still walk away with $50 million, like that's mm-hmm. okay. I would also say the other thing is going back to the mythology and walking up among gods stuff. In, in mythology, when Zeus comes down, pretends to be a bull, has sex with a woman, <laughs> the, the, king, the king doesn't go, curse you, Zeus. The king goes, can't believe you had sex with Zeus. Like, <laughs> like you don't take it out on the God. Yeah. I feel like, like I think everyone has such admiration for his abilities mm-hmm. and his, his ability to win that even if you're wronged by him, you're not going to point the finger at him for fear of angering a God or, or just like diminishing the awe of it all. I think yeah. that gave him power. Uh, lots of too, great, just that, because this was like when pop culture really just took this crazy, just like superstardom of, of, of turn. And so I think a lot of the players were just like, holy shit, there's God on the court. Even if they've like they've yeah. gotten the best on him, uh, best up on him before. It's just like because he talked to shit and he backed it up and he was just portrayed as this giant uh, king of basketball, which he was. I think that allowed him to get into the heads of a lot of people who then would just make those mistakes. And that's how he would elevate his game over. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Well, I think also to that point he too. started. I think he sort of kickstarted a lot of that, too. Like Jordan doing that, like there there were you know famous pros before, but like he was he was the n- next generation. You were getting a glimpse mm-hmm. of what stardom, sports stardom, was gonna look like, and so like mm-hmm. he pioneered so much mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, there's there's footage that you can see in that archival uh, footage of him in playoff games where he's got the ball and he's charging the net and you don't even see like players making moves at him. <laughs> they're just so like, tired. And I think it's, they're just, they're in awe or they're, they're scared. Yeah. It yeah. looks like, or, or they know whatever efforts they put up are going to be for nothing. Yep. Yeah. My, one of my favorite moments is when Charles Barkley, they're playing the Suns. Charles Barkley is like, that's when I realized that they're, this is the first basketball player that I've ever known. That's better mm-hmm. than me. Like, yeah. and that's such an interesting thing. Like, you know, because it makes sense. You, the only thing the documentary kind of does is is oddly diminish that the effort that all those other amazing players, even the worst player in the NBA during that time, all the effort and and work that they put into being as good as they are. He's and, just and facilitating better. Michael Jordan, like Scott and Scotty P- P- Pippen and Dennis Rodman's case, it becomes very ap- apparent when like one of that trifecta is missing how much they were facilitating that. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he Jordan could still pull it off, but it, w- it wasn't as easy mm-hmm. without the two of them yeah. in yeah. in court with him. Um, back to just kind of his grudges for a second. There are so many memes and stuff coming out of this, and one of my favorite posts that I saw was from the writer Scott Gardner. 
he, he said, please, God, don't let Michael Jordan be handed an iPad playing something I said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and James and I were talking about this because just from our perspective of making a documentary, the fact that you can hand the subject of a documentary a clip that you recorded as a participant in it and they can rebut or react to it mm-hmm. feels like almost a break of trust yeah. because you're like, hey, I gave that interview not knowing that he'd be able to like get his say like because you know nobody's going back and showing isaiah thomas Mm -hmm. ipad and saying what do you think of what he just said to you yeah you expect that it's going to go to the documentary and they're going to put it all together and then that's going to be the perspective not that jordan is going to go well let me tell you what i think is wrong about this thing they (laughs) said off this person who can't defend themselves (laughs) (laughs) is that like something questionable about this documentary because adam you kind of or you got you guys were, were talking before about how like it does have a slant in George. I feel yeah, like this- he saw it and it was like, all right, uh, mic me up real quick. I want to respond to this. Hand me an iPad. Yeah. And get that last shot on there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, at the at the end of the day, everyone's watching the documentary for Jordan. They, they try so hard. They're like, here's Pippin's story and Dennis Rodman. But, here's but also, here's yeah. another thing that Michael did. And it's like, it's it's ninety percent Michael Jordan, and of course that's what everyone wants to see. Like mm-hmm. it's it is a documentary about the Bulls, but I think we opened up this podcast by saying the Michael Jordan documentary, you know, and like and yeah. Phil Jackson and everyone else, and it is about all these larger than life people, but they they are they're all in the <laughs> shadow of this amazing Space Jam movie star. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, and, and like there there were uh, I just read the other day. I don't know how true it is. I've done very little research on it, but they said that Jordan did have the final say, uh, very similar to the fire festival where there it's like, well, it's a, it's a little weird when, you know, fuck Jerry is one of the, uh, stars of this documentary, but they are, they're also one of the producers. So calling Mm -hmm. it a documentary is maybe, uh, uh, a little too generous. It is, uh, I guess, uh, hyper slant media, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, Mm-hmm. It's, it's also at the end of the day, I think it's what people want to see and people idolize Jordan and you want to see him just beating up on people half his size. Yeah. You want to see the problem because to be the greatest player in the world, it, like you've ne- you like most go on to be analysts or they're going to do something in the public mm-hmm. eye, but he, he just mm-hmm. disappears. And mm-hmm. that's, he's been, yeah. he's been that yeah. way. So like to get this access even though, again, you know the story. I mean, you know how the Titanic ends. Like, but I, I still just want to see it. I want to see those those mm-hmm. those details because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like uh, even with the uh, the Ku coach thing is it's super interesting because the whoever did the Dream Team documentary made it seem like Pippen and Jordan recruited Ku coach, but then when you watch this, it's like no, we fucking hated him because we didn't like Jerry. You know, screw this guy, but mm-hmm. he's on the team anyway, so yeah. whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It, you can. I mean, we all know this too. With the power of editing and selective shots and everything else, you can form whatever narrative you want. Mm. So especially now when mm-hmm. all the players are still alive and, you know, except for the one guy who kind of looks like a fish, but like, mm-hmm. you know, he's the enemy. So, Hey, we probably shouldn't have anyone, you know, defending him anyway, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't call but, it a documentary. I think that's, that's my main takeaway from it. It is entertainment first educational third or fifth. Yeah. That's all. Do- this is documentaries, though. You're well, describing documentaries. <laughs> We're going to talk about it more uh, in more detail. But first, a word from our sponsor, Quip. Do you find that your morning routine has changed recently and it's impacted your oral care? It need not. Take it from me since I use Quip and you, dear listener, should too. 
Quip is a special service that delivers oral care products right to your front door so you don't have to worry about going out and getting products that you need yourself. Quip does it for you. Good health starts with good habits and Quip makes it easy by delivering all the oral care essentials you need to brush and floss better. Brush, I say brush with such articulation because of Quip. They get all the grime off my teeth so I may talk a booter. The Quip electric toothbrush has time sonic vibrations with 30 second pulses to guide a dentist recommended two minute routine. And there's even a size down version designed for kids and their tiny little mouths. Paired with Quip's anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon, you get all the ingredients teeth actually need and none that they don't. Quip also has an eco-friendly refillable floss with a dispenser you keep for life and expanding string that helps to clean in between. Expanding string, uh, I have quite tight teeth, so I need to floss on the regular. Quip's brush head toothpaste and floss refills are automatically delivered on a dentist recommended schedule, as I've said before, every three months for just $5 each. It's a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. And shipping is free. You can join over 3 million happy customers, myself included, and practice good oral care easily and affordably with Quip. That's starting at $25. If you go to getquip.com film right now, you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash film. You spell it out, Q-U-I-P dot com slash film. Quip, the good habits company. Thank you, Quip. Uh, that gambling. <laughs> Michael Jordan. I did, I, I did not realize that he was such a gambling oh, yeah. man. Uh, I remember the drama at the time. And then the documentary did a good job of like spelling it out. Like it's like. It was kind of known that like this is what Michael Michael Jordan smokes and he gambles and all this stuff and everything and then uh, and but then he they go like he wrote a check for twelve thousand dollars and then and then it's someone someone accurately in the documentary points out and they're like which is like what ten bucks <laughs> for you or me like yeah, yeah he 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 gambled. But it's interesting because he gam in the documentary at least presents it as he gambled with ten thousand dollars the same way he gambled with twenty five cents like when he's just like flicking quarters yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever like against a wall mm-hmm. like like he just, that was his competitive drive he just yeah. needed to be competing and winning all the time and I bet gambling was probably pretty liberating for him in some ways because gambling at least has some sort of aspect of chance to mm-hmm. it so. Like when you when you gamble, there's a chance he he that probably felt to him like this is the one time I can try and win. But if I lose, well, what was I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. You know, the odds, the randomness of it all forced me to not have to push myself into a point. Yeah. And it's weird that he because like gambling to an extent is like it's a game of chance. Like mm-hmm. most, like you know, poker can have a skill, but it's not like basketball. It's pure skill for him. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no chance involved. So it is kind of weird that he'd be like really into games of chance. Well, he also loved golf. Yeah. But his swing was he not was terrible at well, golf. He's, a, he's, he's terrible. tall. I, <laughs> and I think that's, I mean, it might just be his body because he's a huge dude and, you know, golfers aren't usually Well, it's that. like you see Shaq's swing. Yeah. Shaq's golf swing. Yeah. But like, but I, I wonder, part of me wonders if it's a satis, it's a way to satisfy that con- competitive drive without the expectation of being the best always. So, mm-hmm. right? so you think it's a, it's a relief The for reason him? he picked golf, I think well, I think he can't just sit there and then just be like, I'm going to read a mm-hmm. book because his body's telling him to win right. and his mind is telling him to It'd win. It'd be, I need to read the but most like, books or, yeah. 
but he, yeah, but he's like, he's like, so I'm going to pick golf, something I'm not great at because it's the closest I can get to training my yeah. brain that I don't have to win all the time, even though he still tried to win golf all right. the time, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, what's the most impossible task? Being good at golf. Well, and the same with baseball, too, because obviously he had a, a love of the sport, but when he talks about it, he talks from a, a a weird deep seated place where he says he's, he's, you know, a four, a three time champion at that point yeah. or whatever. But he says, he says, I think my dad would be really proud of me if I became a baseball player. And it's like, your dad yeah. Yeah. should be proud of you for being a three time. And the NBA man who's crying yeah. with you. Yeah. And, yeah. and, it, and it, but it's weird that he still needs to, to reach those like barriers. That's mm-hmm. the narrative in his head. I believe that's yeah. he yeah. has he has to do those things to push himself. It is it's the heaven paradox where like, you know, when you go to heaven, everything's perfect. You're like, but but then I'll grow bored of that. Like you don't be like, no, but I would. So <laughs> once mm-hmm. once Jordan achieved, you know, greatness, it's sort of like crap, you know, uh, c- careful for your wish fulfillment, because now where do you go? And so you're you're constantly looking mm-hmm. for that next high. And then I mean, you see that footage of him when he's playing what is it like double a or triple a baseball he's he looks genuinely happy mm-hmm. he's just he mm-hmm. his his uh probably his greatest gift in the world would be if he had new game plus you know he was able to just <laughs> he could just start life and be reincarnated and do it over and over that's the only way he could do it because once he reaches perfection he is like you know alexander wept so what do you do john mm-hmm. do you remember like did you have skepticism when he was like, I'm going to go play baseball now. Um, man, I was, I was so young at the time. I don't think it quite popped in my head. I mean, I, I loved all the jokes that came with it, but I don't yeah. know. I, I think, I think I, I just assumed he left. I mean, I hadn't heard of anybody leaving and coming back except for Magic Johnson. I think maybe by that time. Um, so I think I was young. I was like, all right, well, Michael Jordan's done with basketball and, and that's going to be, uh, the end of that. And I was super excited when he came back when that press release, I'm back. That's all the do, also all yeah. the words I ever need to hear from him. Um, so I was super excited about oh, yeah. that. That's a great story in the duck. Yeah. When he's like agent or whoever goes to him is like, what do we write for this press release, Michael? Yeah. We got to have it. Yeah, we got to have it up for the presses oh. now. What do we right. write? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm back. I do want to say on his gambling, um, I, it's funny because those are interesting perspectives on it. And I actually did, never really thought about that. But I always thought it was like a, an instant gratification for him because with the game, it's, it's 82 oh. games. Mm-hmm. And then you still have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you can do all that, play at your greatest and still lose. But with gambling, it was just like, boom, it's right there. I won. I'm the mm-hmm. best at this. Mm-hmm. Now let's start over. And, and yeah. it was to a problem where, like, I, I don't know if you guys ever heard the, uh, the baggage story where, like, he would bet his teammates whose luggage would come out first when they got off the plane. <laughs> but he would pay the, the baggage handler's money to make sure his always came out first. Oh, come That's not fair. That's rigging the game. Yeah, this it is. Weird, but that's how bad he wanted to Ocho. win. Yeah. <laughs> but that's he how bad he to wanted win. to win. He, he wanted to, <laughs> the, the thing. So I think maybe 60% of it was his drive to win. The other 40% of it was his drive to see everyone around him lose. Hey, he's a psychopath. Well, yeah. Sociopath. Well, the, the, John, John Barber, a good point, too, is like Jordan was, for me, out of the limelight for so long. It was, I think, the last I ever remember of him was he played for the Wizards for like half a season and then he was like I had not even thought about Michael Jordan in so long well, it was just like he just was this icon he played he played for the Wizards was that from like 2001 2003 I think it was, was two, the, I think it was two seasons he played for them 
Yeah, it, but it was like mm-hmm. it just it was sort of like Jordan's back. Yeah. Uh, he's not as good. And, it, and it, but that that was it. Yeah, and it was so weird. But then this podcast came along in 2017 called What Really Happened that was produced by The Rock. Oh yeah. And there was a whole You turn me on. Yeah. The oh, there's a whole episode was, where they're talking about good. the gambling thing and I was like, I was unaware of this. And they get very conspiracy theory on it. They're like, mm-hmm. was his father murdered because of this? And I was like, I know nothing of what's going on. And they barely, even in the documentary, they don't really talk about the motive behind the murder just because I'm also one of those people where I'm like, I don't really believe that someone just randomly kills someone. There's a, It's you know nine times out of 10, it's always someone you know, or there's a motive mm-hmm. behind it. So to just kill him, it's like, okay, well, what was the reason? Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't looked into it. Do you, Did they ever explain that was it just it some was guys who were i think they i think they i think they recognized who he was and they followed him um and then oh, when that he makes was, sense yeah when he pulled over for the nap i think that's when they made the approach i think they just wanted to steal the rings or something like that so i don't know if there was a struggle or not or, or if he was killed asleep okay. but they, their plan was just to rob him but of course it never goes to plan any type of robbery so um right. but I, I do feel like they were following him for a while okay yeah, but the, the that podcast made it sound like the gambling was associated, but then the mm-hmm. the documentary did they do a really good job where they're like, they're like, yeah, that's right. We asked him to leave. This guy who's bringing in billions of dollars a year. That yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, of course. We suspended him for gambling. Who the like they're, they're like fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're that stupid. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that um, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, <laughs> another great um like jordan story and this is maybe not as much i think it's pseudo indicative of his character but then also like of course he had you know obligations and deals whatever but the the reebok story at the olympics Mm -hmm. where he drapes Mm -hmm. the the flag over himself to hide the reebok logo because of his Mm -hmm. other existing commitment to nike Nike deals and whatnot Mm -hmm. um and he's got that he's got like such a fucking smirk on his face yeah and it's just like you can't write that. It's just I don't he's know. He's the only one who could probably it's also get away funny. with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's also funny because of how untouchable mm-hmm. the whole thing seems where it's like he he was like like if you just watch it, you're like, "Oh, he draped himself in the flag. Oops, I guess he covered the logo." But he just loves America so much <laughs> that he wanted to be <laughs> representing the flag. And then and then it's like, oh, there, you would think that like there's maybe there's theories, there's theories that he only wore the flag, except then there's a they show a video clip of him in the car. And he's going, he's he's like, man, they won't even be able to say anything when I cover myself <laughs> with the flag. Like, 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 they won't have any yeah, evidence. They won't have anything. And then they they hand out an iPad to Jordan who goes, who goes, yeah, man, I covered myself in the flag. Like, it's this weird like affirmation of dickishness yeah. in some ways that or was, like like the, the kinds of things that you try and be kind of non-committal about because you don't want to get called well, on that it. was a he whole, a whole other thing yeah. that i was unaware of i just for so long i thought it was always nba players who were in the olympics and i mm-hmm. i just wasn't you know i was so young at that point that i didn't know it was just you know local high school you know college teams or whatever just mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the, you know how can you entice nba players to go because they make so much money here and then I always thought it was kind of cool where it's like, okay, the Olympics happen and then all the players play for the respective countries, you know, even though they all play in America, Mm -hmm. same with hockey, all that stuff, you know, Wayne Gretzky goes plays for Canada. I'm like, Oh, that's really cool. Um, And so that was sort of eye opening and new to me. But then I just like too that they, there's so much business involved, you know, where the, the, it's all about, you know, 
home hometown pride and all the stuff. And it's like, well, I ain't showing this logo. And it's like, <laughs> it's, it's still <laughs> commercialism at its finest. Uh, Up until that Olympics, the dream team was just the name of an 80s movie starring Michael <laughs> Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, another, another big character throughout this documentary is the Zoot Suits. <laughs> Um, oh. <laughs> which they're not just, every NBA player is so tall and big that every suit on them, especially because it's the 90s, mm-hmm. so everybody it's the style, everybody looks like they're wearing zoot suits and it's killing watching all those those fashions. Another thing I love that ties to this is the nostalgia factor because I think that's just something we're going through right now in the quarantine mm-hmm. is like we have a lot of time to think, thinking about the past and and me looking seeing all this this 90s archival footage is great, but this, but the suits, the suits are fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. Man, yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, I, have, I have no comment. <laughs> yeah, when you're six nine, okay. it's it's. Uh, I mean, you could either pay a ton of money to have it perfectly fit on you and still look weird, um, or you just yeah. accept that you're going to be wearing a bathrobe with a tie. <laughs> yeah, I, I I know. I totally. I don't want to seem like I'm making fun of them because I know like options are limited at your but you size. Kind of are. No, it's just it's also like it's the style of the time too because this those wider suits were fashionable the, yeah. anyway. The footage mm-hmm. itself is surreal because so much of it was shot on film yeah. and it's able to be up to, you know, mm-hmm. se- even you know, even 720p, it looks like this was shot yesterday. And it's so crazy to see the stuff that was in the nineties and just see it so crisp and so clear when we all saw it on a little four by three or, you know. Uncle Jack's place where he had that big screen projector where it was just blurry. Why did he spend so much money on that thing? It's garbage. (laughs) The rear projector, they Mm -hmm. suck. Anyway, that's how, that's how Mm -hmm. I saw the game. (laughs) No, I mean, it's how it's, that's how it still looks like when I I watched, I've been watching a lot of the uh, NBA classic games that have been coming on in quarantine. And I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm like opening my eyes. I'm just, I'm trying to figure out like, did I really used to watch this? It's just blurs (laughs) moving around the floor. It's Mm -hmm. so terrible. And it's still four by three. That's like, when I try to play like um, like Mario sixty four uh, Mario Kart sixty four on the N sixty four, I'm like I can't see what's going. Like, I cannot see what's yeah, going yeah. on. They're blurry little I don't, bodies. I can't. Um, John, like since you're going back and you're watching those classics, like do you feel like this is a, a essential piece of quarantine viewing because we're you know sort of grasping at straws? <laughs> Most definitely that. Um, yeah, like I said, like it, whether you're into basketball, whether you liked Jordan or not, like it's just a great. I think it's just a great cultural, um, what is it? Uh, event television? That's what it is, and I think it, it serves you just to kind of know a lot of that because again, perfect villains. Like every time Jordan talks with a, a cigar in his mouth, I'm like the perfect villain, the perfect <laughs> villain. Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis Rodman, like in the whole the Vegas binge and shit, and then just like I said, just mild mannered Scottie Pippen. Just yeah, I just want to go play basketball. I really don't care. Five hundred thousand. I only made a hundred million dollars. Yeah. But I'm gonna push you on the floor and put my nuts in your face. But it's all good. <laughs> it was nice. Oh. It was nice seeing Carmen Electra again. Yeah, she still looks great. Yeah, she's like fifty. She, she looks, looks amazing. She looks great. Yeah. Yeah. She's electrifying. But all yeah, all the Dennis Rodman stuff was really fun. Mm. And it's fun when when you think back to like at the time, you know, he was just this reckless, crazy mm. like guy. And it's like, I feel like there are people now that are mm-hmm. well, I mean you know, now that, that's pretty Yeah, tame. I mean the, the shock value back then too. I, I think that's we're so desensitized right now with everything. So like it's so surreal when they're like, Did you know Michael Jordan? he went to Atlantic city and gambled and wasn't back home until two in the morning or like, 
there were standards at one time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, those yeah. were good times. Yeah, where we held people to a certain amount of you know certain uh, accountability, and and yeah. now it just it's just like everything feels so so. And then, you know, it's like Dennis Rodman had different hair color piercings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you it's believe? A, You're like, yeah, it's all pretty, pretty tame now. I mean, his entire life has been so interesting. Guys, he grew eight inches when he was 20 years old. That's crazy. But you don't yeah, do. Yeah, you don't do that. They were like, he came back and he was six, nine. Like, yeah. What? And he broke his He's, dick. Yeah, he broke like, his dick once. too. That's like, you've got a pituitary <laughs> gland <laughs> problem. Yeah. You know, yeah, he should get was that it Madonna or Carmen Electra broke his dick. Uh, he doesn't say who it is, but it actually happened. Like he was on a cruise ship with some woman, and she was like, "I want you to run across the room and just, just dive in oh, me like you're no. shooting a missile in the fucking Death Star." Oh. And he did it, and he literally was like, "Like there's blood everywhere squirting out." And that was the oh, first time he no. broke it. He broke his dick twice. Um, well, once you break it the first time, you're more likely to break it, to again. Break it a second <laughs> time. It's weak in the stability. <laughs> Yeah. Who would you guys say, aside from Dennis Rodman's dick, are the winners and losers? Like, if you had to pick three winners, three losers of the doc, who would you? I can I can go first if you need some time to think yeah, about it. it. Um, I think Jordan for sure is a winner, you know, because he, uh-huh. he, he kind of had that final clearance. <laughs> and even if even if we look at it, and we were like, man, some of that behavior was not so great. He signed off on it, mm-hmm. you know. So I think he kind of. And he's portrayed as a god in most of it. So maybe that is more important to him mm-hmm. than looking like a god, than looking like a, a good guy necessarily. Um, I love Phil Jackson, yeah, the coach say, of the yeah. Bulls. Phil, Phil Jackson's my winner. He, I, I, he was probably my favorite person. in the. I world. want him to adopt me as a grandfather. <laughs> yeah. like, mm-hmm. And just like, this is the Wanakawa tribe. And I will so, take so, you yeah. on Route 66 <laughs> and take you to a cool well, bait shop. <laughs> <laughs> I love him because, like, I think it's it's easy for a casual perspective to be. Of course, you won six championships. You had Michael Jordan, but I think the documentary does a really good job showing, uh, showing how he was still very much a team coach with with great plays and strategies, and knew how to utilize Michael and enable Michael within that team play structure, mm-hmm. and well, all while all while being the. Uh, antithesis of Jordan's win at all cost mentality. Like there's so many point where points where Phil's like, well, you know, it's game six, but if, if you need to, if you need your rest, you're like, yeah. like, like <laughs> we set up a cot in the back and feel free to sit this game out. Don't worry about yeah. it. You know, like it's, it's okay. You know, you need your rest. Do you, you need some ice cream? Like, so he's still like, this still feels like a very nurturing, um, considerate, person who is also an utterly winning champion level yes you know like so it's that's he he definitely came out the best for me um steve kerr for me who adam sorry i don't know if you've gotten to this point in the series probably feisty steve um, kerr i like him i like him he's got Mm -hmm. like great attitude seems like he's got a good sense of humor when he gives that speech um you know after the playoff game or championship where he's like you know we knew somebody had to take this last shot and they, and I said, okay, Michael, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, it's oh, like yeah, so yeah. charming. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen that part. And yeah. funny. And, and I guess they're trying to show the parallels with him and Michael where, you know, his father who was the president of the American college in Beirut was murdered mm-hmm. senselessly. And, you know, they've got similar stories, but he just seemed like a genuinely good guy. And maybe somebody that isn't necessarily remembered in like the annals of 
people's history as much, but I think with this documentary is maybe getting a little bit more due. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's. I would say the Utah pizza. <laughs> yeah. Pizza. I'm never ordering pizza in Utah uh, mm-hmm. after how it put out MJ. I'm glad that story finally is getting more coverage because for the longest time. It was always called the flu game, but it was like, no, he got food poisoning. And, and like so many NBA players over the last 10 years have said, he was up gambling all night and, and they ordered some pizza and he <laughs> got food poisoning. And how, and they all say the same things like how it became the flu game. It's like, I have no idea who like spun that and, and made it a thing, but it worked. And it only just cemented his, his legacy more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Any other winners, losers? Well, definite loser, uh, MJ, when his shorts were on backwards. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! So I I yeah. I don't think that I've was ever felt sick, more right? sorry for no, someone. That was when his, oh, he came back. He came back with the forty five. He, yeah, he came back. He came back with the forty five. He was, he was not doing so well. His sh- and his shorts were <laughs> oh, man. You're just like you just you you almost can't take him serious, and you're like you've been watching for eight episodes of him being this utter badass. And it's just like, it's like seeing someone think like at the toilet paper roll on their foot. You're just like, yeah. Oh, there's, there's <laughs> nothing you can do about that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Krause, Absolutely. ultimate loser. loser, big loser of that yeah. documentary. Um, the, the bulls owner, what's his name? Uh, Jerry. I, f- I forgot else. his name. I know you're talking about. Yeah, he seemed he was a little inconsequential. He just seemed he just seems so much like one of those owners who is like, I own this team. Mm. Like I pay for the stadium that they play in. Thus, I have as much right to everything they've accomplished as they do when they're busting their ass every single day. And he just kind of writes a check, you know, like this is a side hustle for him kind of thing. Um, The way they talked a lot about like, you know, the, the things that he negotiated with Jerry Krause and Phil Jackson and the players and stuff. And like, well, we got to think about the 20 year plan for this or like, he just seemed like such a callous, cold money person. Yeah. Not, he seems completely devoid of what the heart of the sport is. Yeah. This was an investment. This is part of his portfolio and not something that he was passionate to Jerry Krause's credit. He seemed like he loved basketball and he loved the idea of building these teams and making these players and stuff like that. He was maybe not making the right decision and his, his desire to be in control of that aspect, I think is what makes him look so bad in all of this. Mm. But the other dude, if you, if he was like, I never watched a single game, I would believe (laughs) because he didn't seem like he cared about the sport of basketball in this documentary. Didn't seem like he cared about the sport of basketball at all. And also seemed to diminish the role of those for whom it is their purest of passion. What's what's the verdict on Scotty Pippen? He definitely took an L. uh, He's on the L side for me because it just seemed like, dude, everybody's just pushing you around. (laughs) Everybody's Mm -hmm. just getting everything, Mm -hmm. getting all over on you. And you're like, at the end of the year, he's like, well, I did do it, so I guess it's got to be done. Like, he's just taking it. Um, yeah, so I, yeah. I, I just felt bad. And I love Scottie. Like, Scottie Pippen's a menace on the court. But I like him. I don't know, man. Like, you, you can't negotiate your own contracts. You can't put a foot down anywhere. And then the one time you do show strength, it's you taking yourself out of a game, refusing to play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can understand the con- the early contract stuff with, like, his background where, you know, his his dad had a stroke and was incapacitated and his brother – um, you know, had that wrestling accident mm-hmm. and got became in a wheelchair bound. Like I can understand it, that him coming in from like a poor family and negotiating those early contracts and being like, I just need to take whatever I can yeah. get. Like I totally, I totally get that. That, but 
yeah, like later when it's like you've been playing for like seven years, Scotty. And then also, you know, when he does sit on the bench and kind of like has a little bit of a pseudo mm-hmm. tantrum, I was kind of I was like, oh, I was because lo- I was loving Scotty Pippen to that point, and then mm-hmm. that soured. Me I was a trying bit. to who was the the coach before Jackson? Who they he's they're basically like you can't do the triangle defense; it'll never work. And they just like kick him out. And he is earlier episodes. <laughs> he was like a very eighties yeah. guy with the. Yeah. He had the, the mullet going on, but yeah, he, he, he didn't look so good. Get the ball to Michael. Yeah. I don't remember. I, 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 I definitely give Phil a lot more credit now because just watching Jordan being like, could I be his coworker? Like, I'm just thinking like, could I deal with him? And the people yeah. give him, you know, like, oh, he won just because he had Kobe and Jordan. I'm like, but he, I mean, way to focus that, that those egos. All this, I mean, he was the, the quartz glasses on Cyclops. Like he was, hey, Focus it here. Control it here. Um, so I give him mm-hmm. mad props mm-hmm. for that. And then Jerry, I didn't like because he just made a lot of emotional decisions. I think there were so many people trying to be alphas mm-hmm. in that organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't help oh, yeah. that like Jordan and Pippen were calling him like, you know, fat motherfucker and all this other stuff like that. <laughs> just bullying him. And he just took <laughs> yeah, it. Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he said, him. What does he say? That, that, don't eat that. It'll stunt your growth. And it's like, yeah. oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> that's rough. Yeah. But it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we're going to have a word now from our sponsor, Hymns, and then come back with some more discussion. This episode of Filmhouse is brought to you by Hymns. Uh, what's a common issue that men face but don't always want to talk about? Feel free to think long and hard about this one. And yes, that is a clue because 40% of men by age 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. This is not something you have to be ashamed of, and this is not something you just have to learn to deal with. Feels like guys always turn to weird solutions or do nothing when they can use medicine and science instead. You should check out Hymns and you can discover the tiny pill that's worth a big celebration. Go to forhims.com. It's a one-stop shop for hair loss, skincare, and sexual wellness for men. So here's the thing. You have a relationship with your doctor? You should talk to them about this. The best thing about Hymns is that you can take your prescription and then you can bring it to them. If you don't have that kind of relationship with your doctor, Hims connects you with real licensed professional doctors and FDA-approved pharmaceutical products to treat this very, very problem. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions that help you combat ED at a fraction of the cost. Don't worry about multiple doctor's office visits or anything like that. This doesn't involve painful injections or scary treatments. It's very easy. What you do is you answer some questions about your medical history, and then you're going to have a confidential review with an actual doctor who will then determine whether or not this treatment is right for you. If it is, the products are shipped directly to your door. Being your best means performing your best, and it also means taking care of yourself. If this is a problem you don't want to have, you don't have to have it, and Hims is offering you a solution. So if this is a concern for you, Try Hymns today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhimscom slash filmhouseed. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash filmhouseed. Forhims.com slash filmhouseed. Prescription products are subject to doctor approval and require an online consultation with a physician who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. We recommend that you check out the website for full details and safety information. This could cost hundreds if you went in person to the doctor's office or pharmacy. Remember, that's forhims.com slash filmhouse ed. And thank you, Hims, for your sponsorship. Okay, we're back and we've talked a lot about the Jordan. There's a lot more you could say about the last dance, but we'll kind of couch it for now. Maybe we'll talk about it more. Also, it's a TV show. 
<laughs> but they did. <laughs> it's shot on film. No, I'm just most saying. Of it. Oh. It's a TV show, so if we want to talk about movie, we can. Oh, we can talk about movie because this is Film House, I guess. Uh, <laughs> big announcement today. Today, Wednesday, May twentieth. The Snyder Cut is coming our way. <laughs> we did it, guys. We did we it. High five. Did it. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We it's did. funny John, to think. John, now John tell Tyler. me, uninfor- uninformed that. John Holland, what what is that? <laughs> All right. So let, let's start at the beginning. Greg Miller really wanted to be Zach in Spider-Man the game. Born. And oh. so he, he campaigned to be shirtless Spider-Man. <laughs> and then they five said, fine, Greg, we'll put him in the game. And he said, cool. Then immediately after that, he picked his new challenge. So, well, so oh, what happened? The, we're, the movie we're, Justice yeah. League came out. and it, it, had, it was not the greatest reception. Um, and then news sort of started coming out where... People had heard that Zack Snyder was like fired halfway through, maybe a little earlier, maybe later. Well, he well, no. all that was known. All that was known when the movie came. Well, out. He, so he, he, st- he stepped away because he, he had a death in the family. His daughter passed away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so 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 the DC the, Marvel is making and Disney is making all these Avengers mm-hmm. movies, right? And then DC had Batman, the Batman trilogy at the time, and they said, "Oh shit, we're already too deep into this." And Chris and uh, Christopher Nolan doesn't want to make anymore. How can we get in on this doing what Marvel does train? So they brought in Zack Snyder, who had done Watchmen for them, and said, we want you to help be the architect. We want you to be our um, John Favreau for the DC extended universe. So Batman, Superman, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so he made Man of Steel, which came out, did okay, Kind of mixed reviews, but people were like, all right, okay. Batman versus Superman. Then Batman versus Superman came out, which I would say even more divisive reviews. Mm-hmm. But part of that was because it was setting up so hard, so pathetically hard, this Justice League movie that was coming. Where if you think about the equivalent in the Marvel Universe, they they waited four or five movies before they let threw everyone on screen together. Mm-hmm. And then so he starts making, making this Justice League movie. And this is also while Batman v Superman is kind of getting mixed reviews and people are like, maybe this is this guy is not right for it. He's not he's not he's going to do a good job and everything. And then midway through, there's a death in the family and he states publicly, I'm I'm stepping away from this project. I don't want to do it. But there was a lot of even at the time they thought Warner Brothers was pushing him out because of the bad reviews Mm -hmm. To Batman v Superman, it underperformed, and they didn't think it was good. So they were like, "Oh, they're pushing him out." I think it made a lot of money. Then they hired, but sorry, go ahead. Batman. I think v it Superman. still made like a billion dollars. All of, every single every single movie underperformed, <laughs> um, but it also critical reviews and yeah, stuff yeah. weren't very good. Right. So so then um, so then they brought in Joss Whedon, which was, you know, he's the guy who directed Avengers, so he was kind of like a Marvel guy, and they said, "Joss, we want you to finish." what Zack Snyder started because he was making a movie and they changed it pretty dramatic. Reportedly, they changed it pretty dramatically. They changed the villain, uh, like the main villain. They changed a lot of the premise stuff. They changed a lot of designs because there's so much CG that happens afterwards. They did a lot of CG. Joss Whedon reportedly added this terrible, terrible subplot involving a Russian Eastern European family in a cottage that has no point. Mm -hmm. And and so it's weird. The, uh, did you see Justice League? I didn't did get a chance see? to see it, but I but I've heard that aspect of it. We're just like midway through. It's, well, it's not great. Yeah, it's weirdly tonally. It's a shift because Zack Snyder is the, like almost too self serious. 
He does. He takes himself way too seriously, even though he's making things that are kind of stupid. And then Joss Whedon makes things that should be treated more seriously in a very stupid way. <laughs> and then and so all is basically the movie is alternating scenes between the stuff Joss Whedon made and the stuff Zack Snyder it's made. Like, it's like Steven Spielberg doing AI Stanley Kubrick's mm-hmm. yeah. movie and it not having like. It's not right. Tonally, yeah, it ain't right. <laughs> it ain't right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but now there's been like this this lore that's built up around because most casual film fans don't understand how how a movie is made like when someone goes just release his version you're what you're describing is a movie that was only half finished how do you release a movie that is unfinished like you you can't just finish it that's going to cost you half the budget to do that but people have been clamoring since then that like oh we we all are in agreement that justice league was a bad movie but that must mean that studios made it bad and there's another good movie version of yeah, it's it like no this, this guy just had tragedy strike in his life yeah yeah i mean yeah. whatever got him away from it if you watch the movie i don't think that anyone in their right mind and that includes greg miller could could look at it and think this is so close to being perfect. <laughs> like, there's so much wrong with the yeah. movie. Like, like we were so close. But, Just a few things that we could have yeah, changed. Yeah, but they announced that it's going to come to, I guess, HBO Max in 2021. It, I thought it was mm-hmm. a, a meme at this point. I didn't think it was actually real, yeah. but I guess there is a Snyder cut. And um, it's weird because, yeah, it's 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 a like a subsection of a subsection. <laughs> Where it's like, mm-hmm. it's for mm-hmm. the peop- it's for the DC fans, the, the DCEU fans. But it's for the ones who wanted it a different way. So, like, mm-hmm. it's it's maybe ten yeah, because they've people. already they released the extended version of Batman versus Superman, mm-hmm. which woof, that was even harder oh, to watch. Uh, it was too long. It did resolve a lot of the plot points, but it, it's you shouldn't have to add another forty five minutes to fix a already two hour and thirty minute movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, but uh, I mean, we I'm did it. Watch yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's interesting too. Inter- because like you know they still have Wonder Woman coming out and Aquaman did really well people I liked, liked Aquaman. Aquaman and it did really well so they had these have these movies that are tangentially related to Justice League that have been successful mm-hmm. and it seems like they want to do more except the heart of it which is Superman and Batman has is Felt gone and so it's weird yeah. that there. It felt like the reason they were never doing this because they were like, "Well, to what end?" It's not that we already voided Henry Cavill's contract and Ben Ben Affleck walked away, right? So it's not like if we saw a Justice League movie that's amazing, we're gonna go, "Oh, now we can just pick up where we left off here." They should look back at the '91 through '98 Chicago Bulls. <laughs> yeah. And go okay. Well, who's our Michael Jordan? Who's our Scottie Pippen? Mm-hmm. Who's our Dennis Rodman? Exactly. Yeah. They're exactly. all gone. Robert yeah, it, it's it's looking <laughs> at the Bulls, but in uh, 2004, <laughs> you go, yeah, yeah, your your Batman is playing for the Wizards, unfortunately, so and had a drinking problem. So this this is definitely a nerd culture fandom type thing where you you are a collector and you want all of them, but not you want the you want the limited edition. Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker in Cloud City figurine, and you'll do anything to get it. And then you pay $3,500 on eBay to get it, finally winning at auction. And then you take it, and and it's this tiny thing, and then you keep it in the packaging, and then you put it behind glass, and you close (laughs) it, and then you never think about it and look at it ever again. I think this is what people are doing with this movie. Mm. 
They just they just want it so they can say they've seen it, put it behind glass. Mm. No one's going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going to enjoy it, and no one's gonna no one's gonna be like, well, this now we fix things. We've I gone back in time and changed. I hope we can look at it. People are gonna go, enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I love Justice League. I was not I bored. It. No, I, I the whole time I was watching it though, I was like, this is terrible. Did I love it? No, but I wasn't bored. I can watch things that are bad, yeah, and enjoy mm. them. Well. So. I'm glad, I, John. I hope that makes you excited. Do you understand? Yeah, that, yeah. John? I mean, you said it doesn't come out till next year. I'm like, am I going to still be hungry by then to, to want to see it? That's a long time. Like, is it quarantine that makes everybody say they want this? And then when it's here, it's like, oh, I really didn't want that much pizza. You know, that might be it. But now you have time to catch up on the. That's other true. Movies, we can I guess. we we can watch the original DCEU, uh, Green Lantern, uh, Superman Returns, mm-hmm. Steel. Uh, what else? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's something in there. Howard yeah. the Duck. Shazam's in there. I'll get confused and watch Green Hornet instead. Um, <laughs> we'll have a laugh about DC. it later. Uh, well, I think that wraps up our episode for this week. Just a couple final thoughts. Um, Fred Willard passed away. Thanks. Love Fred Willard. Yeah, if, if you're not familiar with him, go look at his work because he is a comedy legend. Yep. That is always, always funny. Um, we're doing kind of fun house week this coming week, May 25th through 31st. So kind of funny is going to be appearing in a lot of our content and vice versa. So look for Tim and Nick to be on film house. Uh, they have a lot of strong opinions and they disagree on a lot of things too. So that it's going to be an exciting one. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, unless you guys have anything else to add, I think that's about it. Wow. I feel like I haven't been watching that many movies. I've been watching a lot of TV. When some good movies extraction. I think extraction is the last movie I saw. Mm. Oh, That's I good. did watch Paddington That's one. It. Oh, um, and okay, uh, we're over time. We, we, we can talk about it later. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, we'll someday. find out next week, maybe. <laughs> oh, thank you, Adam, John, and James. Thank you. You're welcome. Pippin. Hey. Pippin. <laughs> oh, we miss you, forty-five. <laughs>